Hello, beautiful people. You are listening to the Communal Table Podcast, part of Food & Wine Pro. My guest today is... Uh, <laughs> we got history. Uh, it, Rocco Despirito, uh, you know him, you love him from from the TV, from the books, from if you've been lucky enough to have his food. Uh, I had a long-standing fascination with this gentleman and uh, decided to uh, find him last year. And the result uh, was a profile that um, that came out in January of this year. Wow, it was this year, it was in 2020, this came out. Um, we, we text fairly frequently, but we haven't actually talked to each other since then. Hey, Rocco, how's it been going since I lobbed a grenade into your life? Hey, Kat, how are you? Thank you for like good ink, <laughs> as my friends call it. Uh, usually they're talking about tattoos, but uh, I, I, I consider guess what you wrote. We can today. talk those too. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't have any, so we can talk about it. I won't have actual experience to relate to you. Post pandemic, we'll go get tattoos. <laughs> I still can't do it. Sorry. I don't know what's wrong. I don't know why. I, I have a fear. I have a thing. I don't like it. I just don't want ink under my skin. What's wrong with me? Well, everyone has succumbed to the <laughs> tattoo uh, fetish or whatever you want to call it. Why? Why? My not husband me? does not. My husband does not have one. No piercings, no tattoos, no nothing. Okay, it's... so what about he and I are alike that make us just not want to be a part of that? <laughs> I think you're both responsible human beings uh, with a caretaker streak to you. <laughs> and, okay. uh, oh, that's, a, that's an interesting characterization. Okay. I, I, yeah, yeah. And I think you're exactly the same age as well. So maybe there's okay. just like something in the... <laughs> Yeah, what's what's your sign, man? He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's a you Leo, I'm a Leo. I'm a Scorpio. Oh, yeah. Um, we yeah. have a Robin Hitchcock fan. Uh, there's a there's a great song. It has a, a uh, line in it about, if he treats you horribly, he's probably a Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> that can but, be true. There is some truth to that. It, just, it sort of depends on what's rising and falling on the other side, you know, on the, in the perimeter of your stars. <laughs> But I think of you as, you know, <laughs> we were sort of joking right before this, but, uh, you know, Rocco was saying to me, like, okay, so how did you hear the clips of, you know, my previous radio career? And I was like, well, I pretty much had to, you know, obsessively research you before uh, this piece came out. So the, the last time I think that I actually saw you in person, we were sitting at a table together at the Standard Hotel uh, where you were uh, the executive chef. Was it, it was executive chef was the, the title? Yeah. At the time. That's right. Yeah. In the Standard Hotel. Yeah. We, yeah. Were, uh, we were talking about fresh fruit from the market and a million other things, and it resulted in uh, some good ink. Uh, yeah. I sent you home with a basket of fruit, I believe. I yeah. Believe it, actually, I it was selected it, some of the best stuff. In a beautiful napkin that I've since laundered and used. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> but it was it was a, it was this really lovely act of care. It was stone fruits um, that had been you know freshly picked and things. And I had gotten to have your food at the restaurants you know a few months beforehand. But we sat down at that table. I think we were feeling each other out. We were both a little bit uh, nervous about it. You hadn't really done an you know personal interview in a while. I wanted to not screw it up basically <laughs> and uh you know and you 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 bared some stuff about yourself that um you know i think you hadn't really talked about in public uh, before and then all of a sudden uh, you know i splashed all over the pages of of uh food and wine i'm you know i, I always say you know i do a, a lot of you know sort of 
private and personal work with with people and stuff, but you know, also in my reporting. And I always say, like, when you lob the grenade, you need to be there to pick up the shrapnel. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, good line. Yeah, good line. well, and I, you know, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I try to keep in touch with people, you know, especially the people I like, like you, like after you know something comes out. But um, you know, what happened with your life after after that? And as, well, and especially we had to change the ending of the story. Yeah. So first of all, thank you for being so thoughtful. I, I think for those uh, other writers in in the world that you live in, uh, you are a great model to uh, emulate. Your your uh, level of thoughtfulness and consideration, I think, will ultimately advance your goals much farther than other people who sort of you know. Uh, throw the spear and pick the bones and, you know, <laughs> leave you for dead. Uh, That's not a uh, way to be in life or anything. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it happens all too often. Your analogy yeah. of uh, the lobbying the grenade and picking up the shrapnel is a good one. Um, I wouldn't say it was a grenade, but it, you definitely <laughs> were able to get me to uh, reveal a lot of stuff that I usually don't talk about. I keep, you know, my personal life very, very personal and private, and uh, I, I still People do. People should be allowed. Yeah, yeah. But I just, I got the sense that you would be um, very responsible with the information, and you, and you were, and I appreciate that. Uh, so since then, what, geez, what have I been doing since January 2000, December 2019? <laughs> yeah, because we had to, I will note, we had to rush the story out online. I was uh, sitting on a plane. Uh, I had filed the story for print, and I was about to take off, and all of a sudden my phone started blowing up like, you know Rocco left the restaurant, right? Because I had this story tied up in a neat little bow about you being there. And I was like, what? And like tried to get online in the air and then, uh, you know, called your PR person when I landed and there were some, several texts from you and stuff. I uh, I was on my way to a food conference and I had to have somebody else drive the car <laughs> so I could get on the phone. We crashed this. So we crashed the story out. Sort it was of like remember that those few days. Yeah. It was yeah, a foggy, yeah, it was a foggy time. I think your dog wasn't Less well. Safe. Phil Balls, bless his soul. Bless, bless that man. Bless. He's he's good yeah. people. Um, but we re yeah. rewrote the story very quickly to get it up. So it technically came out at the end of October and then made it to print in January. I, I still it still boggles my mind every time that I think that story came out this year. <laughs> it's right. Yeah. Pre-pandemic. Like, <laughs> only 10, 10 months ago, I think, or something like that. Oh, yeah. yeah, January. Yeah, it's wild. Um, I think, I think uh, the people who write about chefs like to have, you know, like a neat chronology to follow, but the world of chefs is so topsy-turvy, and yeah. of course chefs can't, you know, project out what's going on behind the scenes, so... Uh, you, you you hear about these, you know, sort of what are considered sudden departures, but really have been, you know, pl planned all along or, you know, were the end of a consulting, a finite consulting contract. And sorry that it was abrupt for you, but uh, there's you know, nothing I could do about it. Oh, no, no. no. Zero need to apologize here. It's just funny because I was like fielding all these calls. Like, what's the story behind it? I'm like, his contract ended. He decided not to do it. Like, no, yeah. no. Where's the scandal? I'm like, yeah. funnily enough, right. there's sometimes right. just not one. And yeah. and yeah. that's the thing. Every day is a scandal in the restaurant business. <laughs> oh every single day there's a scandal of some kind. It's a life full of scandal. I mean, every day there's something 
something uh, involving sex, drugs, or rock and roll happening under the roof of your restaurant. It's wild to this day. It shouldn't be. We should be much more responsible and more adult, but it can, it continues to happen. I wonder now, though, like how much of that is going to change, like sort of with this reset, because so by the time that lockdown hit, you had left the standard, you're, you know, maybe thinking about your your next move and, you know, lockdown hits and it affects uh restaurants the food system on absolutely every level while it's hitting us all on a personal level um and so you know it's 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 such a strange time for for people in restaurants that i've i've seen somewhat of a recalibration with some people i know who work in in restaurants who were saying like well you know we can't go back to those same old ways we can't uh because you know, I have a friend who's trying to open a restaurant right now, and I was talking to his executive chef. My friend is the you know sort of uh, front of house and owner, and I was talking to the executive chef, and he's like, "Yeah, I used to get five uh, resumes for a line cook job. I got 165 for this." Yeah, there is that. There is that. Yeah. So, so to answer your question, right after yeah. the standard, I, I launched my next book. Yeah. Which was, uh, Rocco's Keto Comfort. We were day, supposed to be on that, stage um, talking about it. Literally. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had a pretty busy, um, you know, New Year, New You, winter, fall scheduled uh, all the way through July, where you and I were supposed to be on stage talking about it. And uh, all, everything just vanished in a moment, right? On, on March 13th or 14th, it's just, you know, a cascade of cancellations. There's one after the other, uh, like a waterfall. Yeah. Uh, all the TV I'd been putting off while working at the you know at the standard I was very um, pious so to speak I was deeply uh, devoted to the restaurant yeah yeah I was there every minute um, and you were like 16 17 18 hours a day longer there were plenty seven days 16 hour day weeks many too many to count um, but I, I thought that was the right thing to do because yeah uh, I wanted people to know I was devoted and committed and I wanted the food to reflect you know, the presence of the chef it's all you know to this day there's maybe three people can reproduce food the way it would be reproduced if they were there you know only maybe tom colicchio and two other people can get it done as well as you know they're when they're there and when they're not there but for the rest of us uh mere mortals we're we're stuck having to look at each plate and taste every element and go through that process to make sure our food is is coming out well I've heard about the risotto. You hand cooked every single yeah, plate yeah, of risotto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for good reason. I mean, every time I let it go for a minute, it just wasn't making me happy. Um, but anyway, that that's uh, the nature of my, you know, when I'm obsessed and devoted to something that I'm, I'm 100% in, you know. And if we can back up there for a second, too, how much did you feel like you needed to be there to be sort of back in the swing of it and devoted to it because that is who you are as a chef? And how much did you feel like you were doing it uh, for, you know, redemption to be seen to prove something? I think 70-30. 70-30 on the uh, was the right thing to do, 30%, you know, performative. To be honest, I, I think there were, I mean, I knew that there were going to be people looking for, you know, whether or not I would be in the kitchen, so to speak, even though no one's in the kitchen anymore. Uh, right. For some reason, I, I have to be in the kitchen, no, no matter, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if it's a coffee shop or a fine dining restaurant. 
Um, you got to face okay. people the like good, to see. The good news. What's that? You got to face people like to see. <laughs> you know, you've got as you know. Uh, I, yeah, I wish it, I wish it was that uh, generous. I, I think it's a little more. Uh, uh, it's like the scandal, you know, that you you referred to before. So you know, it's people looking for the scandal. It's like, is he there? He's not there. Oh my God, he's not there. The scandal, which wasn't, yeah. and and that was yeah. I, basically for people who haven't read the piece. That's what the piece turned out to be—the scandal that just wasn't. <laughs> like it just yeah. was life, you know, no big, yeah. Yeah. you know, thing, yeah. and it just gets built up by absence and boredom of uh, people. I think. Yeah. But so you, you know, you, you step away from there, you you have, you know, you've already got the book planned and book tour and, you know, TV and yeah. all this yeah, kind the of book, stuff. book is two to three years of work in advance, as you know. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so it's, it's, that's planned out, you know, my next book is already planned and uh, hopefully there will be another <laughs> pandemic and Lord. We'll be able to, I'll be able to finish my book tour. Uh, so I was on book tour and uh, preparing for book tour is a lot of work and you know the final passes of the book are a lot of work and all that uh it was which was all happening concurrent with working at the standard uh i did i put all my tv stuff on hold and hope to resume you know shortly after leaving the standard and of course you know almost a year of that got canceled uh so uh, you know i'm like most people trying to trying to you know, use my skills in a way that provides an income and makes me happy. And uh, in in the most bizarre of times, where there's more opportunity in some cases and less in others, everything is just sort of upside down. Like I said on, on our pre-call talk, it's upside down world right now. It yeah, I mean that's the thing is like I, I think people. I was saying this to a friend earlier. People lose sight of the fact that we're all going through this right now there's uh mm -hmm. you know nobody who's who's really you know immune is a weird word to use right now but uh you know nobody is yeah. nobody is completely cushioned uh from this because no matter the privilege the right. resources the bubble that you have there's still some way that this this can get in this can affect and if nothing else on a human level you give a crap about what yeah. everybody else is going through. And so we're recording this a few days before Thanksgiving. And, you know, and I see a lot of people reckoning with how to do that this year. And, you know, I had to make the decision in, in my house, like, you know, you, you know, what's gone on with me. I, I lost my mother to COVID in, um, in August. I know, and I'm so sorry. Well, you know, it's, it's funny. I, so recent. Well, I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, I, I was, I was sort of, taking our last sit down as a benchmark and thinking about all the things that have changed since then. And at that point we were talking about, you know, your mother had a very long illness and then, and then she passed away. And then, you know, my mother was still alive at the time and I was sort of trying to, you know, reckon some, some stuff in my head and she, you know, and she has since. So, you know, things that have changed in between, clearly a lot of things, my mother, you know, has, has died and stuff. And it's just, it feels like a, a different planet, a different landscape, and I'm also finding that it's causing people around me to kind of cope and deal and take things seriously in a, on a, on different levels. So in my friend group, I'm the one who's like, "Yep, yeah, nope, just gonna be my husband and me for uh, for Thanksgiving." And I'm seeing other friends. Yeah, yeah. You know, we were invited to over to friends' house, and then we realized, wait, there's going to be eleven 
people and some people are traveling and we had to lovingly say, we're going to drop off some dishes and we can't. Here's yeah. all that renegotiation. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's, inter it's interesting. Uh, most of the people I know are opting to, to simply stay home. Uh, I would say, you know, close to 85% of my friends and family and my inner circle are opting to stay home. Um, my beloved uncle, the brother of my mother, uh, who is like a second father to me is opting yeah. to stay home, which is extremely unusual for him. He's, you know, what pandemic? <laughs> There's no pandemic. I'm Silvio. I'm immune to everything guy, you know? And uh, he's got that, the optimism of the the World War II generation that survived, right? Those people, those people have been through everything. So they figured nothing can beat them now. And he's always been like that. And even he, which is really shocking, is staying home and his daughter is staying home. And so, yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a slightly different Thanksgiving and that's fine. I think it's important that we take a day to acknowledge what we're grateful for. I love that we have a holiday that's all about gratitude. I, I think more gratitude, more gratitude, more gratitude, more gratitude is a good way to live life, especially right now. I mean, just think about the think about the, the basic things that so many people have been robbed of their health, you know, their health, their happiness, their home. Their, I mean, it's, it's insane. Uh, when I think how quickly your life, you know, can go from going pretty good to you, you gotta move you got you don't you can't stay in your apartment anymore you have to which this sounds personal Rocco did something happen well I told you I had a massive flood that yeah, forced God. me to move and that's and then, I'm so and then I'm, so like, hard yeah, moving in New York I'm just finding that everybody's moving and it's causing everyone else to move and people are selling things that are causing you know, uh, people who rent from those people to, to move, whether it's restaurants or storage units or, or commissary kitchens, there's a lot of movement as, as people are pivoting and, and, and figuring out new strategies to survive. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's more sharing going on. There's more co-use of space happening. There's, there's a lot of movement and I've, it's affected almost every kitchen and place of work that I currently have, in, including my home. Uh, and it's all sort of pandemic related. Uh, it's, so it's interesting. I've, I've, I've never had, I, I remember when I first moved back to New York in the uh, early nineties, I moved five or six times in the first two years. And then I sort of <laughs> got stable. Yeah. Right. Everybody yeah. does that, right. The first, their first year back or uh, whatever. You're a baby. You don't care. Yeah, you've got like exactly. nothing of value you've you know exactly. you have your kitchen stuff and like that's it maybe a futon yeah. yeah you haven't customized anything and uh it feels like that all over again and you know obviously not that, that kid anymore so it's a little weird it's a little bit it's a little jarring but i i do have to say as much as i love to complain and how and how good it makes me feel to complain i <laughs> i am so grateful so grateful that i have somewhere to live I have a family and that I have food that I have the ability to find work, even though it's difficult and much more difficult than it's ever been. And not what I expected at 54 years old as of last week. I'm oh, so happy grateful. Birthday. You know, yeah. Thanks. Thanks. I'm so grateful. And I, I really hope people who listen to this, just take a moment to think about what people have lost, including their parents and their health and, 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 
big, big things and just recognize that whatever they have left is probably a lot. Yeah. And, but I still want people to be able to realize like it's, if they're, if they are feeling upset about something and scared or whatever, like that's okay too, because somebody else's suffering doesn't mean that you're not suffering, you know? And I think it's important to kind of, you know, acknowledge no, that. For I was sure. Everyone yeah. gets to suffer equally right now. <laughs> yeah. Equal yeah. Opportunity I mean, suffering. This is, yeah, this is suffering for all. No one's suffering. <laughs> and you get suffering and you get suffering. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Feels like that Monty Python slash Oprah moment, you know? Oh my no, God! Suffering for all and all for suffering, <laughs> including John Cleese being an asshole right now yeah. about trans people. That was a bummer, man. <laughs> like, That's a surprise, right? That's not what you expect to hear from a person like John Cleese. No, it was such so a weird, bummer. Right? It's so yeah. off brand. He's so he should be so progressive and just accepting of all things, and especially someone who's appeared, uh, you know, in a dress many times in his career. Right. Right. I mean. <laughs> You would think he'd be. He'd be he was cool. shoulder to shoulder with maybe, Graham Chapman. Maybe it was a mistake. Yeah, maybe it's a maybe it's a mistake. Yeah, people people are bummers though, and we find out. But like you know, it. Yeah. We're all living in really incredibly uh, strange times, and if I can talk to you, anxious person to anxious person, <laughs> I think we established sure. that yeah, yeah. pretty quickly. So we I mean, love our anxiety. We can't live without it. Oh man, this. Well, this has been the Olympics of it, and I sort of feel like yeah. people who hadn't necessarily suffered anxiety before, I've been like, oh, come aboard, we've been waiting for you, because <laughs> like this is one thing where I feel kind of like blessed there's room at the end for oh, more gad there yeah, really is yeah. well because I, I sort of yeah. feel like i had my toolkit in place like i was already meditating mm -hmm. already had my uh you know state cannabis card already have my vivance prescription yeah. like you know already do the mm -hmm. breathing meditations already have those coping kind of yeah. things and you know at least you know, sort of a t more toward the beginning of the pandemic and stuff. I was doing this sort of unclench o'clock thing on, on Twitter and telling people like, unclench your jaw. I saw that. That's <laughs> so funny. It was, it's, I love seeing it. So don't stop. I, it's very funny. Yeah, I took a break from that. Unclench, unclench o'clock. Unclench o'clock. Really yeah. And well, Brilliant. and I, you yeah. know, I've been trying to figure out like, okay, so my coping strategies here, you know, have been, I use, I use headspace meditation. I know there are more hardcore things, but it mm -hmm. works for me. I bought uh, 17 citrus trees for indoors and I make chain wow. mail. Um, what are, what are you doing to cope? Okay. Like what's your, what's your thing? You, you, you just won the decathlon <laughs> of general anxiety disorder. Olympics. I, I don't have any citrus trees and no chain mail. I'll send you uh, a citrus I can, tree. I can, I can understand. Yeah. I'll send you a chinato uh, tree. How do you keep them alive indoors? Oh, uh, you will read about that in the January issue of foodandwine.com. Uh, indoor plant lights. <laughs> okay. um, but I'm mostly growing obscure citrus, uh, like chinato and bergamot and lime quartz. Of course, <laughs> of Why would you grow a, a simple Right. <laughs> you can go to the store and get that um but yes yeah, so what is what is the thing that keeps you uh grounded and i and i ask you this not to put you on the spot but because the, the what i saw after um the story came out was so many people came to me and said oh my god 
you know, I like hearing him talk about it helps me deal with it. A lot of, a lot of chefs saying like, oh my God, if he can talk about it, I can talk about being anxious. And, you know, you're, mm-hmm. and they were like, you know what? I always liked him. I always liked that guy. And, uh, you know, no. and they were, you know, there was, I, I actually heard from uh, somebody who used to work with you, a really dear friend who's going through a lot uh, right now. And he sent me a note and, um, and he's like, oh my God, it made me sort of, you know, go, go back and realize some things, but also kind of give me a guidepost for what I'm going through now. So, you know, so when you talk about coping or figuring out your way, people do listen because of, you know, who you are and what you've accomplished. Not to put you on the spot, but that's what I do, uh, apparently. I'm glad, <laughs> to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. I I, I think, you know, um, as I told you when we spoke about it in depth last time, 35 years of therapy is very, Bless. very helpful. And uh, therapy, therapy has been uh, as important to me now as, as it's ever been. Uh, it's a lot of texting with my therapist, but she's uh, always present in my life and always ready to help and provide guidance. And, you know, she's also very challenged by this situation. So, uh, yeah, yeah. she's she's going through her own issues and, uh, you know, she got COVID herself and her husband, and, you know, it's like, so, so imagine the poor, uh, healthcare workers who are supposed to be our rocks, you know, going through, as you said, everyone, everyone is, uh, no one is shielded. No one is insulated from, from this. So, uh, but she's managed to be the wonderful professional that she trained to be and continues to support and uh, guide me. Um, and if you're a chef and you're listening to this and you haven't started therapy yet, the minute you stop listening to this, find yourself a therapist. It will be the most important and and, and uh, formative and uh, uh, in your best interest decision you've ever made. And I'll also back that up by by saying I love to help people find therapists, and I have done a lot of that mm-hmm. during this time, and especially like culturally appropriate therapists for people too. So you know, I, I had a friend who said like, okay, I want to find a queer black man who will understand. I want to find right, an you know right. an Asian American woman and stuff like that. And it's and it's so you're a therapy and I, matchmaker. I like it. I, I like to think so. And I, <laughs> I, I have a I have a dear friend, Alex Hardy, um, who helps me out a lot with this too. He has an incredible site called Go Get Some Joy. And he himself is is you know training to be a therapist. He does a lot of mental health first aid, but it's uh his a lot of his stuff is specifically for black and brown communities um mm-hmm. who maybe haven't been always encouraged to find therapists and stuff. So I mean, seriously no, folks, the stigma, I will the stigma is present and just crazy uh in every community and i'm you know i'm not gonna go out there and say it's probably even more in other communities because i don't know but i imagine you know there the the stigma is at least the same for every every community um you and i both italian catholic (laughs) yeah yeah the apps are great uh i i've used headspace and other apps and uh they're not they're not going to do what it, what a committed therapist will do mm-hmm. and the good news about the pandemic is it's forced medical care to become digital and available on your you know your phone and that should have happened 15 years ago oh my god the, yes the, you know that yeah the the phone apps and the phone appointments are so useful so you know so uh, productive you, you don't have to leave your home and go to an office and wait in a waiting room to get medical attention. You never had to. And 
luckily my therapist has always been very forward thinking and we would meet, you know, in the lobby of a hotel or a restaurant or, you know, sit outside in the park or talk on the phone when, when that was uh, unheard of in the, in the, you know, psych, psychiatry, psychology profession, mm -hmm. but now it's normal. So it, there's, there's literally no excuse. It's become much more affordable health insurance. Uh, almost all health insurance covers, covers some form of uh, professional therapy. So seek it out. It'll, it, it'll be a game changer, especially now, especially now and open up your heart, just spill your guts. Oh, yeah. Don't wait for the 10th or 15th appointment, spill your guts day one, minute one, second one. Oh my God. Uh, some therapists will, will, you know, indulge you and allow you to stay silent and not really be productive for many, many, many weeks. Don't, don't, don't deny yourself the good that uh, spilling your guts to a therapist will, will provide you with. I always think of that first one as a very damp appointment. <laughs> I tend to cry a lot. For you, because you're probably, you know, willing to be vulnerable, but yeah. most people oh, yeah. don't come clean for, you know, 15, 20, 30 appointments. And the therapist's job is not to make you feel even more anxious about not speaking up. So they oblige, but it, it doesn't serve you if, unless unless you spill your guts. It's the one person in the world you can spill your guts to, and there'll be there'll be no you know there'll be no backlash. They they are obliged to keep it confidential. They don't have an agenda. They're not trying to get something from you, and uh, it's it's the right thing to do. So, chefs, attention, all chefs and food workers, <laughs> go find a therapist. Spill your guts day one. And I can help you find one that also yeah. that is, is yeah. free or low cost as well. Uh, and that's... Wow. Yeah. Great. Yeah. There's some really... Huge. There are a lot of uh, organizations yeah. out there that are providing uh, resources. And I've also been saying to um, restaurant owners and stuff who are, are back in business, like find your regular who is a therapist or a body worker or something and barter. So smart. Yes, oh my... I just great, heard great, of a restaurant a um, in Alabama where... Uh, there was an overdose on staff and they were trying to find like, you know, that regular who was that, but there are so many therapists out there and, um, you know, and, and it just, uh, it's amazing what people will trade off. They'll trade off gym sessions or therapy or, or whatever it is. Like, even if you get out there and like kind of yeah. normalize it, um, during that, yeah. uh, you know, I've been seeing my, my therapist on the phone, but I miss, I, I go to see her in her apartment and she's got three dogs that sit there with you and you and I are both dog, uh, you and I are both dog people. Yeah, and sure. Yeah. I'm a dog and cat person. Oh, I always forget I that you have it. And I'm thrilled. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm thrilled to have more animals in my life at all times. I also want to just make a point about therapists and what qualifies someone as a therapist. A guru, a shaman, uh, a body worker, a healer, mm -hmm. however helpful they may be, are not the same as a trained psychologist or psychiatrist or psychopharmacologist. Mm -hmm. People uh, who have PhDs or at least a master's in psychology or social work those people are trained uh, clinically and educationally to help you understand your pattern, the patterns of behavior that you repeat and why you do that and how to get out of those uh, old habits and those old cycles that continuously put you in this uh, point, this place of disadvantage. A shaman may be a wonderful person to visit who might make you feel good. Uh, it's not the same. A healer, it's not the same. I know I'm going to get no. in trouble for this. Even the member of the clergy, unless they have a degree in mm -hmm. psychology, it's not the same. This is a very specialized world. There are only a few people who get into 
PhD programs for psychology. It's very small. There's only a few of those people out there. And it's because it's very difficult to do, requires lots of years of training. And when they, when you do find someone who has all that, all those qualifications and those creds, you know, that's when the end of your search should happen. I, I, tried to help people who, you know, said, oh, I've got a shaman. And, you know, there's no real legal definition for a shaman. And a shaman doesn't have a certificate that required eight years of school. You know, mm -hmm. it's just, it's just different. I swear by the... So for the, for the people who love shamans, don't hate me. I've tried it all. And I've had much more success with trained psychiatrists and psychologists. Yeah. And I also swear by the licensed social workers um, as well, because... Yes. I mean, same, same yeah, thing. Yeah. Because right? they... I, I include... I include them, and in, in yeah. that's that's absolutely right. The, that training is so rigorous too. So you know, one of my yeah. dearest friends is yeah. a licensed social worker, and she actually just got. Though I'm so proud of her, Alison Dorfman got into the Young Institute. I'm very very proud of her to continue oh, her wow. training. But she and uh, yeah, cool. she and my therapist both like worked at the same uh, shelter and stuff. They all worked in the New York City system, and you wow. know, and, and yeah. all of this stuff. And I'm always curious about how they you know take care of themselves because you know, physician heal thyself kind of thing. And I actually turned my therapist. Yeah. onto uh, she heard about the citrus trees that i'm obsessed with because they make your apartment smell amazing those blossoms are incredible yeah. and i found some aphids on mine today and i freaked out and i'm like got in there with a brush uh, oh boy okay <laughs> what can we do about aphids there's a there's a natural uh what's the natural soap right you, you just use a little soap I yeah think. you yeah. can Little natural soap. Yeah. Oh, I have yeah. I have all the natural things. I'm sort of like weirdly obsessive about all this stuff, but I brought it on myself because my other therapy this summer had been growing a garden on my roof deck. And I thought, oh, I'll overwinter the peppers and oh, bring cool. them in. And they, yeah. Great idea. Great um, idea. Do you, yeah. do you garden? Do you, do you grow? Like, are you a nature person? So I, not, not to stick to a subject for too long. Oh no, bring it. Because I want to, I just want to continue to make a point. Uh, so a licensed social worker usually has a master's in social work yeah. and they're called an MSW. And, and if you found an MSW that's come up through the system in New York city, they are some of the best people and the most seen um, it all. generous, <laughs> loving, kind people that you'll ever meet. Now, how they take care of themselves is they all have their own therapists. That's oh, part yeah. of the training they have. That's the first thing they do is they get a therapist. And the first thing, you know, you're asked to do when you go to school for this, I, I have so much fondness and respect for this world. Um, I, I, I'm sorry if I They've like literally a, saved my life. Zealot, so, but, no, yeah, exactly, no, you yeah. are talking to another one. Because, you know, I started, you, you and I both started going young. I started going when I was maybe 13, 14. And, right. and, and I was in second or third grade. I, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, and somebody might hear that thing. Well, it's not work because you're still going. And I'm like, no, for me, it's not. Oh, can you can you imagine? <laughs> oh my god, what, I would be, what I would be <laughs> such a hot mess. My wow. worst spirals yeah. in adulthood because you know, with the with the you know generalized anxiety disorder, I also have a panic disorder and ADHD. <laughs> and uh, right. you know, and when I've gone, and on, they often come together. I mean, oh so yeah, it's not unusual. No, yeah. and they yeah. uh, they all they all go together and my worst spirals have been when I've been between therapists because I had a therapist who I saw for like 15 years and then he had a medical mm. incident and stopped practicing oh. and that oh my god I still yeah. you know think about him yeah. and stuff so I hadn't gone for a while I saw the next one and then he decided to uh 
not be a therapist anymore. Instead, go move to Florida and go into real estate. <laughs> so I, you know, and it was sort of like taking some time in yeah. between, but like, this is not a negotiable for me. I have to, you know, and I have to do it. And I have, there are certain things that I have to do yeah. on a daily basis to stay okay. I have to take my medication. I have to, you know, see my therapist every week, you know, I can go a couple weeks and it's, and it's fine if I don't go. Mm. And the meditation um, has really helped a lot. I've been especially leaning into loving kindness meditation because it's like radiating out from you mm. uh, toward people and been trying to get better about the sleep <laughs> and uh, the exercise, uh, you know, it depends on the day. <laughs> I know you're a very physical person. Yeah. So yeah. how's that? Uh, uh, I've, it's, I've not been recently. It's been, it's been a problem. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm finding that I really need to get back on my bike and, and uh, it's just I can't I can't figure it out. It's like hard. That. I have to be okay with that because I have to be okay with it. Yeah. Uh, and I've made other things a, a higher priority. But I, you know, when I was on my bike four times a week, and uh, you know, just for just for me or training for something, uh, there's no question that was at my most mentally fit, uh, sleeping the best I've mm -hmm. ever slept, and uh, felt felt very good exercise has a direct relationship to how your brain feels and how your brain works. And, uh, it's easy right now for us, to, you know, I think to say this is not a time to make exercise a priority, but I, I think I'm learning that it might be the, the best time to make exercise yeah. a priority. It's easier um, to binge watch. I, I yeah. To add, <laughs> yeah, it, it really, when we can talk about the shows, <laughs> if you want to give people another, but you were going to make another point. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna add something to uh, the long list of uh, uh, things to do. Oh, uh, I was gonna say that work has work has always been a form of therapy for me, and work has always been my savior and uh, you know sometimes destructive force in my life. But I think I've come to a point where I understand how to handle it, and work for me is is therapy, most especially cooking. So I've been, I've, you know, I did a pop-up in the summer for City Harvest. I'm consulting on some other projects and uh, the cooking just remains a wonderful, uh, you know, healer in my life. It, it, my healer is still cooking and I'm, I'm so thrilled about it. You know, I, there are times where you, uh, as a chef and as a, you know, crazy obsessed culinarian, a lifelong culinarian, you you find yourself at a crossroads with cooking, but I never really did. I never really had. There are times where I didn't cook professionally for a long time, as we know and we've discussed. Um, but since leaving the standard, I've managed to keep uh, cooking professionally, whether you guys know about it or not. I I have, and uh, I love it more than ever. So, if if you're a chef, food worker, one of us, and you're not cooking right now because of the loss of opportunities. There are opportunities out there that may be different than what you're used to, and, and you may have to, you know, sort of take some steps back, which aren't really steps back because if it gets you into a kitchen where you can connect with food and make make food for people to enjoy, that's never a step back. That's always a wonderful privilege that we in our in our world get to enjoy on, on a daily basis. So if you haven't cooked for a while because of COVID, Go out there and find something, and I promise you it'll bring joy. If it ever brought <laughs> joy, 
it'll bring joy again. Do you feel like, you know, I was asking a friend of mine uh, this as he's, oh, he's been trying to open his restaurant since May and it's been, you know, so hard uh, for him because, he, and he's a front of house guy and just like, you know, that muscle memory of his life, his whole life has been in service. And, you know, and he's waiting for this, you know, the certificate, certificate of occupancy, he's waiting for all of these things. And his, you know, and his body just wants to go back into that, that mode, I sort of identified with him a long time ago that he's a napkin folder, because you you walk away for a second, and he'll fold uh, your, your napkin yeah, for you. And yeah, by the way, yeah, when yeah, the yeah. restaurant, yeah, when funny. the restaurant uh, opens, uh, you know, again, I, I'm feeling you personally are going to love it. It's called Francie. And it's going to be in uh, near Peter Luger and very pasta focused and uh, Chris Chip. Oh, cool! It sounds, Chris sounds Chipolone is the chef, and John Winterman is front of house, and oh, it's wow. going to be such a beautiful kind of thing. But I see John, who I've been friends with for so long, like having this like itchy need to serve uh, kind of thing. But you know, he was you know doing friends and family, and I asked him like, you know, is it? Did you were you able to just snap right back in? Then I you know was asking the chef the same thing, and they're like, yeah, yeah, like joints a little bit creaky like sort of physical and emotional joints a little bit creaky with like the sense of service. Yeah. But mm-hmm. at the same time, they were able to just go right back into it. Did you feel that way when you, mm-hmm. when you went back into, you know, the regular restaurant cooking, like there's, there's that thing that never. I, I always feel, I always feel that snapback yeah. that you're talking about uh, regardless of how long the, the, you know, absence was, so to speak. Um, there is a muscle memory. There's no question about it. It is like riding a bike. It is something you never forget. And it may hurt a little more as you get older. You may not be able to stand as long. Uh, but it's funny. I can work an eight-hour shift on the line, not feel any pain until after, and and not and I'm unable to lift a box off the floor. But I can, <laughs> you know, work on the line, you know, and cut and burn myself for eight hours, no problem. It's just, that's what I, I first trained to do as a young kid. And it's so ingrained in my molecular structure and, and my, you know, every brain cell that I have, it's it's easy to snap back. And, and I love that feeling. I rely on that. Uh, I count on it during the absences. I know now, especially now, I know that when I go back, I'm going to have that wonderful feeling again of everything being familiar and my fingers will do the things they're supposed to do and my eyes and my palate and my sense of smell will all do the things that they're supposed to do and and they do and it's a it's a gift and uh you know it's the gift that made me happy as a kid in this business and continues to make make me happy to this day so the work is a gift and as well as you know a, a series of endless challenges of course. but uh you know but now is a really good time to, to to do something really simple you know like go work on the line a few nights a week for free if you if you have free time if you're doing nothing else it'll feel great it'll it'll, it'll feel so good you know um especially if you can do it sort of anonymously if you're you know if you're a person that people recognize and you can find a way to do it anonymously uh it feels so good um i always said you know as a chef the, the more successful you are, the less you cook. It's the unfortunate, you know, yeah. paradox of being a chef. And uh, I would give anything to go back to those days where I could just sit on a, on a hundred pounds of potatoes and, <laughs> you know, do pomme chateau all day long and 
my only challenge was to make this one more perfect than the last one. Those are some of the best times in, as a, as a cook and as a chef, this, you know, the working through the skills and, and trying to achieve, you know, perfection and, uh, teaching yourself how to do things better and better and better. That's the loveliest part of what we do, you know, right alongside actually cooking for people. It's all in service to other people ultimately. So, you, you know, that's always, always a part of it, but that like craftsman, like zeal to, you know, get the seven sided Pomme Chateau perfect this time, just a little bit more perfect. And uh, because you know, it's going to cook evenly and, it's going to taste better. That simple part of cooking is still there and available for all of us and still so lovely and feels so good. Uh, so if you can't be a chef, uh, you know, big badass chef right now, go go cook online somewhere. I'm sure there's a friend who could use a couple of chefs. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I'd seen all these videos, especially sort of toward the beginning of the pandemic. And it was a lot of it was front of house people, but them keeping those skills sharp mm-hmm. and like coming around by like hot behind and like talking to their cat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, yeah, and you know i talk with a lot of uh you know on the the chefs with issues facebook group and and stuff like uh, people are yeah. dealing with all kinds of things and they're like you know who am i if i'm not this and somebody posted this beautiful thing about put your chef pants on just at home and and like dress for the job stand up in your kitchen and, and you know and do that that thing because like just because your restaurant isn't open doesn't mean that you're not still a chef you know just because you're not that that's and, right that's right and i really yeah. feel like you know, we talk at Food and Wine a lot about like what this transformation is going to be. What is this future of restaurants? What is a restaurant moving forward? What does what does that look like? And I think it's going to take a whole lot of different forms. I think there's going to be a lot of PDRs happening, a lot of in-home private dining, a lot of uh, you know people just reconsidering what this is because this is also made a place for people who maybe don't want to be in a restaurant, but they are wonderful chefs and cooks, and they can just sell plates out of their house, you know, and make food, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for for neighbors or specialize in one particular thing. Yeah. And I feel like this is this is. Uh, you know, a, a reset for a lot of things and a chance to do things right, but also reconsider, you know, who gets to be a chef. I'm thinking of, you know, I, that uh, issue of food and wine that you are on the cover of and, you know, the way that looked, you know, everybody's serious in their, their, you know, their chef whites and stuff. And, you know, it, it's, it's an ever evolving thing and some people have evolved with it really beautifully. And some people have, you know, may, maybe less so and been uh, <laughs> the people who are on the cover with you may not be in current good graces of, of, of things, but some people are, and some people have really rolled with it and some people have really nurtured new talent. And I'm curious if, you know, that 18 year old kid, um, you know, comes into your kitchen and stuff, what are you going to tell them about longevity, about how to ensure some healthy, you know, habits of longevity for this. It's funny you, you mentioned the 18 year old because I've, I've had recent experience with people who are teenagers or very young, let's say in early twenties. And they're usually uh, coming into the kitchen, having watched a lot of YouTube and uh, now TikTok and IG videos and know a heck of a lot, you know, just from teaching themselves via social media or you know, internet and, uh, it's it works. You can learn how to cook watching YouTube videos. It turns out and mm-hmm. cook really well. Uh, so a lot of these kids are coming in just to sort of experience, you know, just to get a taste of what it's like in a restaurant kitchen. 
but many of them aren't looking to work in restaurant kitchens. Uh, and I think a lot of us at our, you know, my age, uh, and, you know, let's give, give it a you know, 20 year range, 30 mm -hmm. to 50 should be taking a page out of their book and investing in, you know, a camera, a light, one, they're, they're dirt cheap now on Amazon. You can buy, if you're buying from Amazon, excuse me, the, you know, if you're not, uh, I understand, I get it. Uh, but the, the equipment that used to be required to produce something that was broadcast worthy was so expensive. And now it's $55, you know, and you can set yourself up and start doing Zoom and IG and TikTok and make a living and be impactful and teach people how to cook and share your recipes. You can do this all on your own without any assistance or, you know, uh, without being anointed <laughs> by anybody. You can simply wake up tomorrow and start doing it. And I'm watching a lot of my peers and those much younger doing a lot of this. And there seems to be endless appetite for this content. So if you're, if you are not finding a place to go and cook physically, that is a conventional restaurant, think seriously about TikTok, IG, Facebook, uh, and all the people out there who are cooking at home now, you know, the, the hundreds of thousands of people who are not leaving their home anymore and cooking at home, uh, you know, almost every day. And if there's another lockdown, even more reason to, to get invested in, a, you know, in some Zoom equipment. And it's really just like one camera, one light, and you're good. Have you seen, there's this Australian chef who, if you haven't seen him, I will send you the link to him and he's okay. just tearing it up out there and he's so funny, but you know, he has his niche of being this very, very Australian, uh, you know, sort of, you know, devil may care kind of, of thing. And it really mm -hmm. helps to have a point of distinction. You in particular, like, you know, healthy cooking is so, so important to you. And, you know, and your book was, was keto. And on another podcast, you described what keto was. I was trying to wrap my head around it. So if you would give the short version of what is keto? Oh, keto, keto is a lifestyle and or diet that is uh, essentially low carb, high fat, medium, uh, low carb, high fat is the technical, you know, requirement for you to be in a state of ketosis and, uh, eating a keto diet, uh, low carb is defined as 20 or 30, depending on, you know, what school of thought, uh, grams of carbs per day, less than 20 or 30 grams of carbs. That includes all sugars, added sugars, alcohol, uh, and, and sugars found in any food, carbs found in any food. Um, it's important to just remember the macros are, you know, 10% carbs, about 50% fat and about 30 to 40% protein. So it's a moderate amount of protein, a very low amount of carbs, very high amount of fat gets you to a state of ketosis where your body is burning fat as fuel before carbs, which is the inverse of how we normally, how our body normally behaves. Normally our body our body uses carbs. Uh, the first fuel tank is carbs. And then when we're out of carbs, we it, it goes to fat stores and starts to burn and oxidize those fat stores. So when you're in ketosis, you train your body to use the fat as the first source of fuel because you starve it of carbs. So you're so, saying 20, uh, 20 loaves of pandemic sourdough no is not the, the answer here? 20 loaves of what? Pandemic sourdough is not the answer to you. <laughs> No, it may be the answer. This may not be the time for a keto diet. <laughs> the, the good news is you can eat a lot of high fat, you know, rich 
you know, meats and seafood items and creams and butters. And uh, <laughs> there's a lot you can eat on a keto diet, but uh, the alcohol is definitely going to be an issue. You won't get into ketosis uh, and, and be an alcoholic at the same time. Those don't, they don't exist simultaneously. Oh, and, you know, there are plenty of nights during the pandemic where I'm just like, forget about keto. We're going to drink tonight. What and is, that's okay. What is your drink? What is your go-to? Rye whiskey, scotch, you know. Yeah. Do you have a neat, preferred? Neat. Oh, too many. Peerless. <laughs> I was just looking at Peerless. They uh, they just announced they have some new uh, ryes and bourbons. But they're getting expensive. It's starting to become annoying. Bourbon is supposed to be the, you know, poor man's scotch. It's supposed to be the drink for the, the common man. Now, now they're $100 a bottle, and I'm starting to get angry about it. Well, here's here's what I will say as a daughter of Kentucky that uh, okay, <laughs> that the thing is like there's there there's a certain amount of marketing that goes into this. So there are things that are on the same mash bill. They're basically the same thing. They're packaged differently, so you can you can get these various things that cost so much less and are you know just as good. Like we've really been uh, enjoying the Henry McKenna around the house, which infinitely less expensive than maybe some of its its counterpoints and stuff. So Whenever I go to Kentucky, yeah, or, that's still in the 30s, right? Or uh, you can go in. Well, it depends on if you shop when you go to North Carolina, like I do. <laughs> so oh, when right, sure, when sure, sure, yeah. Go to visit in-laws and stuff. I, I we usually bring an extra suitcase and go to a state liquor store and haul it back. And maybe that's yeah. too much insight into my personal alcohol consumption. But you know, I, I've been uh, enjoying um, mezcal sour is my thing, and maybe a little nip of uh, Ardbeg Cory Vreckin because I like those super peaty scotches. And those, mm -hmm. those have, you know, been really, uh, you know, a, a good and nice thing. And, you know, and I ha I've been having... I'm at the uh, famous grouse level. That's where, that's <laughs> so, where, I've, that's where mm -hmm. I've decided. Famous grouse. Famous grouse. what I've decided Oh, that's the other thing. Now, for. now that you're rolling yeah. your R's, I will tell you, I, my other thing is I've been learning how to speak Welsh during this. And there's a lot of rolled R's in there. I, I saw that. <laughs> I saw that. That's, I find that... Uh, incredibly useful it's going to really serve you well you're gonna I, I swear you're gonna have so much good content <laughs> i primarily swear at politicians in welsh that are terrible thing, things to them in this but i but i wanted to say like uh, and twitter can't censor you because it doesn't have a welsh <laughs> it does right? not but, uh, but with awesome. all of this you know i've found that it's been, you know, it's, as this time has been so, so dark and we all have darkness for various reasons that it's been really important to me to find moments of of joy and hope. And it looks different than I have in years past because I always used to, I get pretty bad seasonal affective disorder and my thing tends to be my tickets to upcoming concerts, which have all been rescheduled to 21 or 22 right. or things like right, that. Right. So, you know, it gives me something to look forward to. So I've just been having to find moments, whether it's like sniffing the citrus blossom, playing with my dog or, you know, all those different kinds of things. What are the, like the, some of the small the, sim the, sim the simple things that our grandparents probably enjoyed and counted on every day for yeah for you what is you know moments of happiness yeah uh, for for me specifically it's it's definitely my you know still my friends and family my my animals my pets my my work the cooking the cooking whether it's at, you know in a restaurant or at home um, but it, mostly it's it's staying connected with a few people. We've always been sort of like, you know, true, true gems of, of, of people, you know, true examples of a true gem through 
whatever you're going through, people who have like proven themselves to be wonderful, regardless of what the situation is. And turns out that my next door neighbor is one of those people. Cool. And I would, we never spoke to each other because that's what you do. In <laughs> you, you, you're incredibly polite about not interfering with your next door neighbor's commute by asking them how they are or, you know, anything about them because you, you just don't know if they want to socialize. So I've found in my entire adult life living in New York City, you never speak to your neighbors. But because I was out of toilet paper so many <laughs> times, I had to speak to my neighbors. I had to reach out and ask, you know, uh, and they, it turns out they're some of the most wonderful people I've ever met. And we're really, we've gotten oh. really close. Uh, and we're sharing like, you know, cuts of beef and toilet paper and, and wine. And, and they're from Canada, of course. So uh, I don't, I need, I say more, <laughs> no, right. Uh, but they've been in New York for 20 years, but it's really still people and moments with people that bring me joy. I, I, I think we're in this business because those moments with people are so stunning and thrilling sometimes, most of the time. And uh, getting to talk to a few, a few good friends, a few members of your family that you're close to in this time is uh, for me very important and what's keeping me going. And I'm finding that people have uh, reduced the amount of filters to almost none now. People are stripped, stripped back, right? Everyone is stripped down. Everyone knows everyone is suffering. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, today sucks too. Yeah, <laughs> great. I'm, you know, your life sucks, my life sucks, but we can at least talk about it and, and tell each other that we love each other and you know, remind each other that we're there for each other. You know, that kind of thing that sounds really, you know, basic and cheesy. It needs to be said is really what life's all about. And yeah, yeah, really what life is all about, right? Uh, 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 we don't have glamorous events anymore. We don't have uh, nominations for awards. You know, there's none of this, what would you call it? Cat, what's a good word for all Overall. that noise that we, we filled our lives with? <laughs> Chaos. Yeah, uh, we just filled our life with that nonsense and, and it's all gone yeah. now. And we have to figure out how to you know, stay vital, feel feel like we're valuable without all the outside acknowledgement and, and praise. And uh, it's been an interesting lesson. I hope, I hope we, we hold on to, to this stripped back nature of, uh, I, I like it. I like it some parts of it much better than. Yeah. I mean, to use the good China I mean, really use the nice things, drink the good wine, drink the good yeah. wine, use yeah. The, yeah. the nice things exactly. and do all these things. Yeah. Yeah. Tell, tell a friend that you haven't told you love, that you love them and appreciate them. And they mean so much to you and they've been so important to you. You know, those, those kinds of things seem to just happen spontaneously at the beginning of the pandemic. But now uh, I think people have forgotten or maybe just gotten used to being able to go out and resume normal life. And so the, all that noise is starting to fill, fill in the, their lives a little bit. And uh so there's you know, the veneers are back on the the filters are back on a little bit I'm seeing I'd like I'd like to just remind myself actually I'm probably just talking to myself right now No uh, no I had realized I had stopped that keep it stripped I'd back I sort of and, stopped the check-ins yeah. with people uh, a little bit I think just cuz I was sort of focused on my own grief but just this past week I've started 
just while somebody is on my civ ADHD brain <laughs> to reach out and say, hi, how are you? And like, you yeah. know, it makes me feel good because they write back yeah. and like, hey, you know, send me a picture of what you're cooking or whatever it is. And it doesn't have to be a Zoom thing. Uh, <laughs> but I wanted to ask you, though, like, you know, because we're all coming up, you know, against the end of this year. And, you know, we've been doing a lot of you know, sort of homage to closed restaurants and hoping that, you know, some restaurants will reopen. There's a glimmer of light for some of them. Like, you know, I had written a little Requiem for Gotham and then I found out like, oh, it might be coming back. You know, the GM might be bringing it back. But we were, you know, I was fantasizing to myself. Um, so we can do this without sort of like the, the time, you know, we can do it with a time machine. It doesn't have to be something that is closed in the last year because of pandemic. But during your New York time, because you know that I have a particular reverence uh, for New York restaurants of the 90s, early 2000s, et cetera, what would your dream meal, new, dream New York meal through the ages be if you could sort of will something into existence? Because who the hell knows? There can be pop-ups because there are still like chanterelle pop-ups from time to time that I will go to. What, what would this thing be for you? Well, I think my, my, my dream New York meals is a boring one because it's everyone's now been there and it's been around for 22 years. It's, it's a seafood tower, a Balthazar with a bottle of champagne. That's always my, my fantasy meal after my grandmother cooking, you know, coming back to life and cooking for me. So uh, I don't think they're reopened yet. I hope they do. Um, I'm looking forward to having that experience again real soon. Um, I think that's likely to happen. So I don't know if that fits the the bill here. Uh, you're thinking well, of because like, I'm uh, a collector of like old Seymour Britchkey books and you know reading like okay. old things because I think there are a hell of a lot of people who would put uh, various <clears throat> dishes of yours on on the menu. Um, you know throughout the year. I think. Uh, do you remember um, Scott Bryan? Oh hell yes! I uh, I, I, I think Indigo I, was Veritas. Yes, I went, I went to Indigo and I went about. to Veritas. I, I've actually yeah. managed to track him down and I'm going to try to get him to come on the podcast. I know he hates press. That would be an incredible feat if you could get that done. That would be really funny. You'll have to let me call in too because I, <laughs> I need to talk to him on air. On air because it'll be really funny. Uh, if we could, if I could get a meal at Veritas again with oh, Scott on the line God. as he was most nights, that would be pretty incredible. Yeah, he was. That would be quite something. I, I remember going to a piece of fish cooked by him was something something to really revere. Yeah, like I'm I'm thinking that I'm thinking there was that restaurant Drover's Tap Room that I used to go to in the West Village that I loved. I would Grange Hall was really loomed large uh, for me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know just, just you know some of the some of those restaurants and I'm thinking about the regrets about the ones that I never got to go to. I did get to go to La Caravelle. Um, before it closed, I got to go to Oriole in the townhouse, and mm-hmm. you know, so I've been having a little walk down. Oriole was definitely great, definitely a great time. I worked at Oriole actually when it was in. You're talking about on sixty something Street, yeah. right, on the Upper East Side. Yeah, yeah, that was a good time. Uh, I worked at the River Cafe with Charlie and uh, inherited Dave, and then so I worked for both of them, and then went to Oriole uh, and. It was really uh, very, very special. Of course, Gotham with Alfred mm-hmm. in you know the early early days stuff stacked up high <laughs> in the yeah, ring. Yeah. Uh, but I yeah that that sort of is. I wrote a little thing. I think it's in the 
uh, November, December issue or something like that. And it was a little, it was the first place that I ever went to have a, like a, I felt like a grown up lady in my little polyester suit at age 23 or 24 or something like that. And it it was just such a special memory for me. And, you know, and I just want to say to you, like, uh, again, like being able to get down and uh, to sit down and talk to you for, for that story and be able to, to share that, what really gratified me was then the outpouring of love that I saw about you, uh, from, from so many people, strangers and friends and, you know, people I know who, you know, have loved and respected you for years and, and all this stuff. And I, I'm just want to say, you know, I hope you felt that back and I just selfishly want to eat food again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm working. I'm working on things all the time, and I, uh, for my own selfish reasons, want to cook again. So hopefully, the stars will align. This is, you know, in an odd way, uh, a really good offer, a time, a really good time for people who have what I call the stomach for adversity. <laughs> if you've got the patience and the stomach for adversity that every restaurateur needs, you could go out there and really and pick some some great deals. Uh, and if you're not, you know, utterly disgusted with what you've lost and uh, still not over it, uh, you know, that's fine. But but there are incredible good, incredibly good deals to be had out there right now in terms of renting space in AAA neighborhoods that you would have never considered before um, because, you know, everything's closed. So uh, I am trying to find something that would be a really good deal for me and, and trying to get something open. Who knows if, if it'll happen, but uh, that is on the list. And my ADHD list is, is long and wide and yeah. <laughs> You know, you know how that works. You know how that works. Yeah. I know yeah. a lot of notebooks. Well, whatever it is and whenever it is, yeah. uh, slot me in for a reservation uh, at the bar first week, please. I'm gonna, I'm gonna slot you in for co-developing the menu and the vibe. How about that? <laughs> I will be your vibestress, though. I think you have it nailed down. Oh, I love it. I love it's it. It's gonna be so beautiful. Thank you so much for Thank your time. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Be well. Thank you so much to my guest today, Rocco Despirito. I I can't emphasize enough how important it is to remove the stigma around um, seeking therapy and doing everything you can to feel better in your head and your body and your brain and your soul and all of that. I know it's sort of antithetical to so what so many chefs have been taught along the way, but we are at a crisis point in the industry. We have been for a long time. And, uh, you know, I know the the future of this uh, industry is still as yet undetermined. Um, but the only way we're going to get through this is being open, being vulnerable, um, seeking help where we can find it. And um, I will be updating the Food and Wine Guide to Mental Health uh, Resources. So you can uh, reach that by going to the Food and Wine Pro section, foodandwine.com slash fwpro. And uh, there is where we, you know, it's a really great section that I'm really proud of. It's stories that dive into what uh, people in the industry are dealing with. It is news, it is practical advice, it is stories from uh, people throughout the industry, and it's also where you can find the latest episode of the Communal Table podcast and sign up for the Food and Wine Pro newsletter that pops into your inbox 
on Fridays, around about noon, depending on if we have our stuff together for the week. And it is written by our fantastic editor-in-chief, Hunter Lewis, with an assist from me and from Osette Babur, and with a weekly meditation from Kelsey Youngman from Artest Kitchen. She is a certified meditation instructor, and she shares a mantra with us each week to uh, set the tone for uh, the week ahead. I find it to be really, really useful. And in this newsletter, you get all of the best stuff of the week and an opportunity to talk back to us as needed. And, uh, you know, we're all we're pretty easy to find. I am cat.kinsman at foodandwine.com. I'm kitten with a whip on Twitter. And like I said, you know, to Rocco, I, I mean it. Um, if you are out there and you are struggling, I'm I'm not a therapist, but I'm pretty good at helping people uh, find resources. So you know, shoot me a note, and I will uh, do my best to guide you to somewhere free, low cost, whatever it is. Um, people have been so kind to me throughout the years as I've been struggling with my own mental health, and the least I can do is give back. So please reach out um, if you need to, and pass that on to a friend. Thank you so much to our producer and Tarasina, who just you know keeps me on track every single week, and I, you're going to hear her voice on an upcoming episode because um, she has got the January cover of the magazine. Can't wait for all of you to see that. And thank you to Sarah Crowder for getting our images together every week for this. It's really a you know beautiful thing. It's just, you know, I'm lucky enough to work with really incredible people. And, um, you know, and I hope that you, even in, if you're in isolated, if you're with other people, that you're able to, you know, find some community and, um, find some support that you need and um you know there's tough times where you got to get through together even if we can't be together um most importantly however take good care of yourself until the next time